Hello, and welcome to the Bright Green Light Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Swanson. Welcome back to a new episode. Uh, I'm very excited for the guest that we have in store today. Uh, the, today's episode will focus on a very important environmental activist in the University of Illinois community named Maria Mehring. Uh, I will talk more about that bio in the episode, but Maria is a fantastic person and it's a really good conversation. So feel free to tune in and if you enjoyed the episode, be sure to share. Also make sure to share the links that we have included in the bio because there is some fantastic stuff that we discussed today in this podcast that is definitely worth reading and showing your friends. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Bright Green Light Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Swanson, and I'm joined today by Maria Maring. Hello, Maria. How are you doing? I'm really good. How are you, Tyler? I am fantastic. And to those of you who are unfamiliar with Maria, I will just read off her bio here because there is a lot to know about Maria that we're going to jump into that I'm excited to talk about. So Maria has often been dubbed an encyclopedia of campus sustainability. During her time at UIUC, Maria has maintained leadership positions in almost a dozen different sustainability groups on campus. She has earned the Senior 100 Honorary in the Patricia E. Askew Leadership Award for this work, though her proudest accomplishment is spearheading a climate coalition among all 10, or not all 10, all 14 <laughs> Big Ten universities. There's so many of us. Um, tune in to hear what she has to uh, say here in this interview. And of course, you're also about to graduate, Maria, which is very exciting. So I'm very, very excited for this discussion here. And there's a lot to cover because even in your bio, there's just a whole lot of things. Um, I think the best place to start is if we could talk about those dozen sustainability groups that you're involved with, because there is a lot there. So tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so my introduction to campus sustainability was through the Institute for Sustainability, Energy and Environment, or IC for short. I was a communications intern with IC for two and a half years. I've also been published four times in IC's Q magazine, and I eventually became the student editor of the magazine. Um, I am a co-president of the Student Sustainability Leadership Council. We act as a medium of communication between uh, sustainability student groups and administration. Um, I am vice chair of the Student Sustainability Committee. We oversee the Illinois Green Fund. Every undergrad pays $14 in fees, and we allocate that money towards uh, student or faculty-led sustainability projects. I'm also vice chair of Illinois Student Government's Committee on Environmental Sustainability. We gauge student desires and draft resolutions that are um, relevant to sustainability. I am an honorary exec member of Students for Environmental Concerns. I don't have an official title, but I'm extremely active. And that's the largest and oldest environmental RSO on campus. I am also an employee at the Student Sustainable Farm. Um, I was very active in the Stop Line 3 CU group. Mm -hmm. um, I'm an off and on member of Outdoor Adventure Club. 
Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but that's the gist of it. Well, I mean, I think if there's anything on the Urbana-Champaign campus that is related to sustainability, you probably have your fingers in there somewhere, um, which is absolutely fantastic. I think when you're able to get into all these different groups like that, that shows that you really have that commitment and of course the knowledge as well. Um, of course, for listeners who don't know, um, I met Maria through uh, Q Magazine. Um, Maria was one of the editors looking at one of my publications in the in the magazine and I might link that in the bio as well because I think everybody should go take a look at Q Magazine. It's great. Um, but yeah, you've done a lot through that. Um, I really want to hear some more about the Stop Line 3 pipeline because I think that's a part of activism where it's like less school related, but very community oriented and something that I think our listeners would be interested in. So could you talk about that? Yeah, um, so Line 3 is a pipeline. It's a tar sands pipeline that runs from Alberta, Canada to um, Superior, I think. Um, but most currently, it crosses lands ceded to the Anishinaabe people in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. It is explicitly illegal according to the Treaty of 1885. Um, and this is especially pertinent because it crosses the Missis Mississippi River or its headwaters upwards of like 100 times or 200 yeah. times. Um, which not only affects that area right there, but also all of the communities downstream on the Mississippi. Yeah. It's a huge environmental issue. It's a huge human rights issue. Um, and so there were student groups nationwide um, uh, protesting Line 3. So I did um, local advocation work. Uh, we did a few fundraisers. And then over the summer, I actually did travel up to Minnesota and perform direct, direct action on the front lines. I had the privilege of meeting Winona LaDuke, who is the Anishinaabe founder of Honor the Earth. I also met Sierra Club CEO, Michael Brune. Um, and it was just like the most amazing experience ever. Yeah. Uh, and it's actually the feature piece of the most recent edition of Q Magazine. Yes, I will be sure to put a link to that article in, uh, in the description below, because I think everybody should check that out. What I think is really fascinating about that experience is that not only were you able to you know, advocate for something relatively far away, if you think of where we are here in the Urbana-Champagne campus, um, and get people to care about it, but you also were able to go there and be on the front lines at the same time. So you were able to be here and there and cover a lot of ground. And that obviously takes a lot of dedication to be able to want to do that, which I completely respect. And I really want to know what gave you that dedication in the first place? What was it that made you say, I am going to do this, you know, for I want to stop this pipeline, I want to stand up for the environment, I guess, just what founded your environmental spirit more broadly? Yeah, I so I was born and raised in southern Illinois, mm -hmm. where there's the Shawnee National Forest. Quite literally, my dad's property borders the National Forest line. Oh, wow. So we just kind of grew up steeped in environmental awareness. Um, Carbondale, that's where I'm from, it's kind of a, a hippie place. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it just kind of was always common sense to me. Also, like, you know, nature, earth, well, I sound so hippy dippy, but it provides us literally with everything that we need. And how can you have a successful economy? How can you have strong human health 
-hmm. How can you have a functioning society if you don't have your most baseline needs? Clean air, clean water. It just, environmental activism is just a no-brainer to me. Yeah. Um, and this summer, line three was just the big conversation that was happening. I didn't have a summer job. It just made sense for me to go. Oftentimes, I, I dive into projects without really like thinking about it a lot. Because to <laughs> me, it's just common sense. Yeah, and I know you, I think, one, that's amazing. And I love how you kind of just have cultivated that from, you know, just living near the environment your entire life. I've not had the privilege of going very far south in, in Illinois. The, about the part of the south I've gone is probably like Urbana-Champaign because I'm from way north Illinois. Um, but I know it's a beautiful place and I'm glad that you were able to take that experience and translate it into something that's so based in activism. And you mentioned that, you know, when you get into something, you really jump in. And from what I understand, that's kind of what got you to this Patricia E. Askew Leadership Award with the SSLC. So could you talk some more about that? Yeah, um, so the SSLC, Student Sustainability Leadership Council, uh, was a group invented by ICE a few years ago um, to try and increase student representation in big conversations, but it kind of died out. It wasn't functional for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so Joey Creeling last year had a one-man effort to revive this group. He kind of like me was involved everywhere. Um, and he was witnessing a lot of miscommunication or even lack of communication in the first place where you've got two different student groups working on similar projects when, you know, it could be a lot stronger if there was collaboration. And I was totally inspired by Joey's efforts and I took it to the next level. Um, <laughs> Me and my co-presidents, Jack Reichert, Owen Jennings, and Maya Case, we basically built the SSLC from the ground up. We started the first ever Student Sustainability Summit, which takes place in October. That's Sustainability Month. And we just wanted to have a month of educational, fun events that appeals to both the sustainability niche yeah. as well as populations on campus that don't already think about sustainability on a daily basis. How can we reach that unengaged population and really like preach sustainability? I kind of hate that connotation of that word, but whatever. Yeah, spread um, the word. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so we did Green Quad Day, which is, you know, an activity fair, not only for student groups, but also for community groups. Um, another gap that the SSLC tries to fill is not to live in this campus bubble, but really to interact and consult with the communities of Urbana and Champaign. There's too often a disconnect with quote unquote townies and students. We're all living in the same place and we all care about the same things, which is our community. Yeah. Um, so of course they should be at Green day you know um sit-ins tuesday talks at bevier cafe that's seminar series um and you can get free lunch through the everybody eats program which addresses food insecurity on campus yeah um it's just kind of like the most interdisciplinary collaborative thing ever 
Um, <laughs> and then we just do it all again in April for Earth Month. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in addition to this more fun stuff, the SSLC has its hands in a lot of political stuff. And we've really taken the reins on the fossil fuel divestment movement. We have done many Freedom of Information Act requests into the emails of administrators to ensure accountability and transparency yeah. on divestment. Uh, we've held meetings with Chancellor Jones, IC Interim Director Madhu Khanna, uh, University of Illinois Foundation President Jim Moore. We are here to represent students. And in 2019, 76% of the student body voted to fully divest from fossil fuels. So charged with being the representatives of student sustainability, we have to ensure that divestment is executed. Sure. So yeah, I did all of that and then I got an award. So that was cool. <laughs> it's nice to have that, that recognition for your effort because you really have, you know, built this organization that's done a lot. I mean, I've, um, been present at the very least, if not involved with SSLC. I was there, you know, for the sustainability month. I presented at the symposium you all organized and I thought it was fantastic. And Green Quad Day is one of my favorite things. And it was so nice when we did it for Earth Day. It was a beautiful day outside. Um, I, I'm very impressed with how you're able to take this group of, of people that you've got together and not just do, I guess, outreach to students on campus for people who, you know, don't necessarily think about sustainability but you're also doing that political advocacy at the same time. And with, you know, fossil fuel divestment, that's a huge thing that so many schools are, um, you know, struggling with. And I think it's also something that maybe not everybody knows a whole lot about. So could you talk a bit more about, you know, that concept of what divestment is and what your efforts have been thus far? You said you've talked to a lot of people and what are those conversations like? Yeah, so I'll start from the very beginning. Sure. Divestment, generally speaking, is the process by which an institution, whether that be a university or a company, removes its shareholdings out of, the, of whatever industry, whether that be fossil fuels or um, apartheid. Mm -hmm. um, the university, you know, your tuition and private donations, they don't just go sit in a savings account. Sure. University invests our tuition and fees into the stock market to get a little, a little extra. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and $230 million approximately of our investment portfolio is invested in fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. So divestment, generally speaking, is meant to remove the social license of the industry at hand. Yes, it's financially harms the industry, but it's more so to make a political statement and say, for example, we the University of Illinois do not stand for the extraction, transportation, use of fossil fuels and all of the effects that burning fossil fuels has on this world. Yeah. Climate change, you know, detriment of human health, environmental degradation, you name it. Mm -hmm. So generally speaking, that's what divestment is. Yeah. Um, on UIUC campus, the divestment movement began in 2009, or in 2009, it began. Okay. So we've been fighting for this for over a decade. Yeah. And it really started to gain traction um, 
in 2019-ish when 76% of the student body, as I previously mentioned, voted to divest from fossil fuels. And then finally in 2020, it was published in the Illinois Climate Action Plan. This yeah. is a comprehensive document that's published every five years by IC, and it outlines a whole slew of climate objectives. The ICAP 2020 is the third of its kind, and it contains 56 objectives. Fossil fuel divestment by the fiscal year 2025 is objective 9.1. Unfortunately, just because the world is the way it is, the ICAP is a non-binding document. Mm -hmm. So there's no like legal consequences to not fulfilling the objectives. Sure. Um, so when divestment was published in 2020, a lot of students, you know, were like, hurrah, we won, we did it. And it's like, nope. Now we have to advocate for transparency and accountability. Uh, furthermore, what is really interesting is Chancellor Jones is designated as the quote, responsible party of fossil fuel divestment. However, he has nothing to do with our investment portfolio. Sure. That's under the jurisdiction of the board of trustees. Yeah. Um, and furthermore, the, the uh, chief investment officer, who's currently Travis Shore, he was appointed just in January. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's tough because there's not a lot of transparency to begin with. Yeah. So how can students make specific demands if they don't exactly know what they're up against, not to be like us against them or anything, but it's a tough fight. And I hope we're making headway. I don't know. A, a ton of, of universities are out showing us. You know, um, Unity College in Maine was the first institution to fully divest from fossil fuels in 2012. Uh -huh. Wow. They a are out showing us by a decade. The University of California system, which we often compare ourselves to as a very large multi-campus institution, Mm -hmm. Between the years 2015 and 2020, they fully divested from fossil fuels and reinvested $1 billion in clean energy. And, you know, a big counter argument is, oh, like investing in fossil fuels safeguards our financial well-being as an institution. Actually, at the University of California, their returns have totally increased. Wow. Um, so we're being outshone and we claim to be this leader and we claim to be this innovator, mm -hmm. but uh, people are divesting before us and we are really dragging our feet to do what is morally right, what is environmentally right, and what the stakeholders want, what the students want. Yeah. So you are, like, you just de demonstrated completely 100% why you're the encyclopedia of campus sustainability, for one. You completely like named the exact objectives of the ICAP. I love that so much. But yeah, you really, this is a huge problem for, for UIUC. And you know, you just mentioned before we got on the call that you're having a meeting with the head of the, of the foundation tomorrow, I believe it was. So you're 
still working on this even though you're graduating in like three days, which I think is amazing. What what do you see is as happening next? You know, how much left is there to do to get to where we can be, you know, on par with the, with these other schools? Yeah. I think it requires just a lot of resiliency and hard headedness from students. Sure. Administrators will not hold themselves accountable unless there's someone dogging them, truly. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I had a meeting with the IC interim director, mm. Madhu Khanna, a few months ago, and she expressed personal support for divestment. But she said, I'm in a really tough, like, political spot. It's hard for me or Chancellor Jones or somebody to advocate for this candidly because it's just so controversial. And she said, quote, well, I mean, not quote, but she said that fossil fuel divestment will not happen by 2025. And the future beyond that is murky. Wow. So what do I think the future looks like? I truly don't know. But I hope that students can continue to pester the university and hold them accountable to ICAP 2020 objective 9.1. Um, so yeah. I don't know. Here's a call to action. Thank you for that call to action. I really hope that you know we can continue this as well. Of course, I will be here for another year, and I'm sure that you've probably been training some people in your space. You know, you are leaving this massive hole now that you're going to be graduating. You're you are the you know encyclopedia of sustainability. Who's going to be the new encyclopedia of sustainability? Do you feel pretty confident in the movement that you've helped to build, and you think it's going to last a while? I hope so. Um, Danica Ford is going to be my successor All right. as co-president of the SSLC. Um, and I think that this coming year's SECS leadership is really great. Um, at the end of the day, I, I just hope that I've inspired people to carry on the movement, you know, yeah. if they don't identify this as a priority, then that is the prerogative of that generation of leaders. But um, I am very optimistic for the for next year, whether they decide to pursue divestment or any other facet of sustainability. You know, Todd, we do not have enough resources in environmental justice and education here. Mm -hmm. um, something that SCCS is spearheading is green rooftops yeah that's cool oh yeah do green rooftops i love it when so, i have a garden on my roof it's beautiful oh yeah i'm just excited to <laughs> watch everyone from afar i am really glad that you're optimistic because you know you've built this fantastic thing and you're confident that it's going to stay around which makes me confident that it's going to stay around because i know that you've been working on it for so long um the last thing i want to touch on with this conversation, which I think has been fantastic, is what do you see yourself doing next? You've done about everything there is to do in terms of involvement at UIUC. You're about to graduate. You're going on 
to what they say, quote unquote, is the real world. I think we're still in the real world, but whatever. Um, what are your plans? What are you hoping to do next? Yeah, um, I'm going to move to Nashville, Tennessee, Ooh. have family there, and I hope to work in an environmental nonprofit there. Okay. Just have boots on the ground and really connect with that community. Um, and grad school is definitely on my radar. All right. But ultimately, like just generally speaking, I am a servant of the environmental movement. Mm -hmm. And I want to put my efforts wherever they are most needed. Sure. Um, and so something that has always kind of beckoned me is law school. Yeah. Up at line three, that was a conversation that constantly was being had. You know, we need more lawyers. We need more lawyers with a moral compass who can help the movements and dedicate their resources towards these more marginalized companies, or sorry, marginalized populations. <laughs> um, so I don't know, maybe law school, maybe not. I'm basically just playing the next year by ear and just trying to find my personal identity, my professional yeah. identity. Um, I'm just going with the flow. I love that. I think that's perfect. And one more thing I do want to ask too, I should, I should say, we have a lot of people on the show who are people who want to get in the environmental movement and don't really know where to start or people who want to be activists and don't know where to start. What is your recommendation on where to start? What do you do to really get involved? So if you're a student here at the U of I, I would say join Students for Environmental Concerns. Um, that's your best ticket to everything. Um, but generally speaking, I would say keep your eyes and ears out all the time subscribe to all the mailing lists. If there's any sort of volunteer organization that you're on the fence about, just jump in, just do it. Um, and environmental activism, I feel like people have the misconception that it's like obligatory or it's like a 24 seven commitment, but come and go. Like this is a community yeah. that is forgiving, um, I don't know. I just, like, like I said, it's so common sense to me that I'm just like, yeah, just jump in, just do it. If you have <laughs> the slightest inclination to pursue this project, what's stopping you? Um, the Shia LaBeouf meme, just, just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, join all the groups, whether you're a student or not, you know, join the mailing lists. Some of my favorite resources include um the intersectional environmentalist mm -hmm. uh led by leah thomas she okay. actually just published a book um, oh, very, nice. very insightful about how you know race and, and gender and all this stuff it's all environmentalism it's all intersectional yeah um, other resources I just do a lot of reading, to be honest, and read a lot of online articles. And I follow a lot of activists, Honor the Earth, Winona LaDuke, um, Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Mm -hmm. My catch-all book recommendation. Yeah, just get in. All right. 
That's perfect. I love that. I, I, I have the same mentality when it comes to those things where you just got to get into it. And I think a lot of people listening can take that advice and hopefully just jump right into things. We're at a time right now when we need people to jump in and do these sorts of things and get involved in this movement. So I think those are some really inspiring words from a very inspiring environmental activist. Um, and Maria, once more, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I think it's been a fantastic conversation. Awesome. Thank you, Tyler. And before we wrap up, I just want to acknowledge that the U of I does exist on lands that were traditionally stewarded by a whole slew of um, indigenous peoples. And you can find that list on the U of I's land acknowledgement statement. Yes, thank you so much for mentioning that, Maria. I haven't thought to do that before, but I really should. You know, I, I consider this podcast, I guess, is something that is separate from the environment, but it's not. In, in terms of separate from the natu natural environment that I'm standing on, but it's not. And yeah. I thank you for bringing that up. It's a little performative, especially when the U of I claims to quote center Native peoples at the core of their efforts, and they have $230 million invested in the fossil fuel companies. Um, so I don't know, <laughs> but I like to say it. Regardless, thank you, Maria, and thank you, uh, listeners, for tuning in this episode. I'm very excited for what comes next on this show. We're always going to have exciting, interesting new people to talk with, and I hope you will tune in next time, and I will see you in the next episode. Goodbye.